You're listening to the Hammersley Brothers Podcast. If you'd like to get started with three of our best tools, see the link in the show notes. They're free and video training is included. Hello and welcome to the Hammersley Brothers e-commerce podcast. This week, Ian and I are diving into lifetime customer value, cutting through the hype and trying to understand exactly what practical measures we can do to raise this important metric. So let's get started. Good afternoon, Mark. Yeah. And it's a it's a dark Monday evening. It's already Tuesday, yes. Yeah, Tuesday morning, it's sunny. Spring. Spring is in the air. It's good. As soon as, as soon as the weather gets better in New Zealand, it starts to go bad in England. You need to move to the south of France. It should last longer there. I'll be good. I'll be yeah. nice. Yeah. yeah. Do a podcast from there. From Saint Tropez, boat, yeah, in Saint Tropez. There's the dream. Yeah, the I'll dream. go with my little dinghy. You know, my little blow-up dinghy. Yeah, and just with me or my paddles, and just, and just talk, sit there. Just ask if the people having the parties could throw you a martini. Yeah, can I come in? <laughs> um. Anyway, I don't think we're going to talk about uh, Saint Tropez. We're going to be talking about mm-hmm. lifetime, lifetime customer value for an e-commerce site. And yeah. do you want to introduce it and talk about why it's important? Um, yes, yes. Lifetime customer value. Lifetime customer value is is this like this 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 there's a couple of things in an e-commerce business that seem to have a profound effect in in this in their ability to scale them. Uh, one of them is margin, and the other one is lifetime customer value. And so if you get an e-commerce business that has a high-ish margin, so anything of over, you know, anything over 60%, we would classify as, as a high margin. Um, I would say, would you agree with that? 60% and above? Yeah, yeah. Decent starts to be um, exciting, doesn't it? Yeah. And and then, the, so the other the other one is the lifetime customer value. Mm. And if, you, if you've got a, an e-commerce business that has a naturally high lifetime customer value and a, and a, a high margin then it, you know you you're you are being pushed along by with a tailwind behind you rather than sometimes you know going through quicksand and it was something that i've talked about over the years well we've both talked about it a lot over the years and i and i remember when i was in london giving a, a speech at one event you know i showed two e-commerce businesses i showed one that looked really slick you know, really nicely, you know, everything looked beautiful, perfectly branded, you know, executed really, really well. And another e-commerce business that was a bit rough and ready around the edges. And I said, right, which which business, which e-commerce businesses is more successful? You know, which one's easier to scale? And, you know, obviously the one that looks super sexy and the one that's really polished and a great brand and looks amazing. You know, they've got, oh, that one. Well, it was the opposite. You know, and, and, and it was only because of the hidden maths behind it. And that was the, the NAF one that looked a bit crap, had a higher margin and a much higher lifetime customer value than the one on the mm. left. And hence why it was easy to scale. Um, I think, so well, just wanted to add there, yeah. like, because I was, um, I'm reading a, a very interesting investment book at the moment called 
it's called what I learned from investing um, from Darwin or something like that. And um, he talks about how um, he wants return on return on um, return on capital is, is what he looks at. And, um, you know, a business like Costco is a great business uh, because it's got a great return on capital, but it's got a very low margin. And I was like, well, how come that? How can a business be very, very good with a really low margin? And then he said, well, it's, it's better than Tiffany's, which has got a higher margin. Tiffany's is the jewelry brand, which has um, got a much lower re- return on return on capital. And the reason is, in e-commerce, the reason we need a high margin is because the cost of traffic is so high. Because you have to pay Google or Facebook, whoever, and the, the cost of traffic it's, it's, it's such a decent expense in terms of the customer recruitment that if you haven't got decent margins, it becomes very difficult. But if you've got an e-commerce site that doesn't rely on Facebook or Google, it, the, the, it's, it's less about the margin. But most of the time, if you want to scale a business, you're going to have to buy from Google or Facebook or, or, or one of the two. And the, the amount of money that they charge you is, is, is huge for, mm. for, for a customer. And, you know, the trouble is, the trouble is with it is that like any 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 um, market that doesn't have a competition, the 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 the, uh, the monopoly or the duopoly or, the, or whatever you call it is um, is going to charge ridiculously high prices. It's very similar to New Zealand with the the supermarkets here. We've only got two supermarkets that own it, and the prices of food here is is very very much higher than what you're getting in Australia and places like that. So e-commerce is kind of dominated by these monopolies, which affect how much are you and essentially you're saying it's it's google and it's it's facebook yeah yeah it's google and facebook and i, I would i would argue that yeah. um for a lot of startup e-commerce businesses google makes more profit out of the uh, out of the business than the business does itself and that's difficult that's difficulty if you want to get that's going. extraordinary isn't it it's mm. extraordinary isn't it that that you know and, and if you know let's say you've got a business that's operating on a new customer roas of maybe you know three times you know, or or even less. You know, we we we've had you know many e-commerce brands that we've pushed more aggressively than that. You know, but that's that's extraordinary, isn't it? That you know, for every dollar that you spend, you know, you you're only getting two dollars back. So you're, yeah. you're giving half half it's, your yeah, sale huge. price to and Google. It's huge. You only so, have to talk to so, Google. You only have to talk to Google rep for them for, for you to understand that they don't even understand that. They'll they'll completely keep to push you push you. You know they'll go onto these these accelerator programs with them and they'll say, oh, you need to be lowering your ass. And it's like you do realize that at some point we start losing money, and they don't seem to kind of get they don't seem to grasp that because as far as I can say, well, they'll just, say, well, no, but you've got to push through. You know, you've got to keep. You know, you've got to. You know, at some point it'll it'll start to take off. You know, mm. like well. Well, it's easy for you to say. Yeah, you know, but if bloody you stressful. We've got to you ever run your own business. The... Nope. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. So, but 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 it, just to come back, you're actually you've actually laboured a very essential, basic point in that if you have a high lifetime customer value, it means you're only paying Google or Facebook once on mm. the first sale, and then if that customer comes back and buys a second, third, fourth time. You know, you haven't had to pay the recruitment costs. You haven't had to pay Facebook or Google. Yeah. So hence why it's much, much, much more profitable um, to be able to get them to come back and buy directly. And it also mm. is where, you know, sometimes we, you know, lots of e-commerce businesses will be selling on marketplaces as well. And and, and that that's, you know, one of the inherent 
weaknesses or challenges of selling on marketplaces is that you you don't own the customer and you're always having to pay Amazon or eBay or whoever mm. you know the mark you know, the fee again the transaction fee. So if Amazon it might be seventeen and a half percent, whereas you know if you obviously if you're getting the customers to buy from your store directly, obviously you own you own the customer. You've got much more influence on it. But but mm. in a nutshell, you know it makes it so much easier because actually. If your lifetime customer value is higher, you might say, do you know what? I'm very happy to go and pay Google or Facebook um, a two times new ROAS. I'm mm. really happy because that customer's worth, you know, significantly more over the next 12 months yeah. than that yeah. first sale. So you, yeah. can either, you can kind of understand why, you know, hey, why they're successful and why we are, you know, in some cases very happy to pay them because, yeah. you know, they're only, we're only paying them once. That, in a nutshell, it's yeah. obvious, isn't it? But it's sometimes we perhaps haven't framed it in that way. Yeah. So, th- so basically, getting your rep- lifetime customer value up is, is is super super important because it if if you if you've got our margin calculators tool, which is one of the tools available in the the downloads, I think it's Hammersy Brothers forward slash hammerseybrothers.com forward slash tools, and the, the margin calculator sheet's there. And if you play around with the top right um sell which is a lifetime customer value you get to see how much of an impact that has on your overall profitability and for for low margin business the lifetime value doesn't really affect that the overall profitability that much because with a second sale let's say you've only got 10 percent margin you're not getting much on the second sale either but for businesses that have decent margins product margins a lifetime value is everything now you can actually, you know, if, if you if you even increase that by ten percent or twenty percent, it can massively affect the profitability of the business. And therefore, um, for a lot of the businesses we work with, lifetime customer value is really important. And I'll talk about businesses where it isn't a bit later on. But ultimately, what 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 Ian and I say, and what we we figured out a while ago, was that in order to in, the biggest impact on lifetime customer value was was focusing on getting the second sale because if you think about it the amount of people available to buy a second time is way higher than the amount of people who have bought a second time to get to buy a third time so it's kind of like you know start with the you know go with the flow of the river start on the 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 the, the, the up river and then and then work down so would you have yeah. anything to add to that Ian? Yeah, I would say I'd say I mean we, you know generally we find that lifetime customer value is largely determined by the natural behaviour of your customers. So let's say for example you're selling replacement fridge hinges, and you're trying to get them to buy another refle- replacement fridge hinge. It's pretty difficult. But if mm. you're selling contact lenses um, or something for the house, like a floor lamp or a chair or a rug or something, you know it, you're much much more likely. To get us to get a, a repeat, yeah. um, so but it isn't you know, I'm, I'm you know if you are selling replacement fridge hinges, um, it doesn't mean you should give up. But I'm just saying you're not going to see like huge life to customer value gain. So you, we're basically saying you go with the flow of the river, and um, I think it, the likelihood, like you said, um, I mean what I, I was just articulating this before, and you you. you you know, you, you, I don't know if you sort of got my point, but but um, you disagreed with me slightly. But I was saying that, you know, what we all want is an e-commerce brand that has loyal customers. 
that talk about us, that rave about us, that, that refer us, that, you know, that, that, that identify themselves as, you know, as part of your tribe in a way. And, and the only way you really get that is by getting them to buy from you, you know, multiple times. And that's when they become, you know, much more loyal. Now, if when you look at the stats, and there's loads of stats and loads of data around this, and every time we 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 see this, we see the same pattern that if people buy twice, they're much more likely to buy a third time, and if they buy a third time, they're much more likely to buy a fourth time, and the chances of them repeat buying more uh, massively increases each time this each time they buy again. So essentially. Um, if they, by the time they've bought three times, you've pretty much got them like for life. They're loyal and they come back and they always find that they, you know, they, they're kind of what we call these like multi buyers and they tend to be, you know, really, really loyal. And so, but the chances of them buying a second time massively drop off the longer you leave it from the first purchase. So, if you're going, if there was a secret source to try to get your lifetime customer value up, it would generally be focused on this getting the second sale because they're much more likely um, to buy again if you if you hit them quickly as well. So if the second sale comes, it comes it comes quite quite soon. Mm. So that's so, generally the plan. Yeah. So basically, what we look at is is the profile of um, second sales. So we look at their business and we look at how how long it takes for 80% of the people who are going to buy again to buy again. And it's, for some businesses, this is a very steep curve. Right after the purchase, it's very steep and you'll find that 80% of people who are going to buy again, maybe do so in the first 60 days. Uh, whereas other businesses, the if they're going to buy again, it might maybe takes 300 days to do it. So an example would be like a clothing site. A lot of the time, people tend to buy clothes quite quickly at the beginning. They'll have a need. They may be going on holiday or a wedding or something like that. There's, there's a need or, 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 or home decor, for example. That they'll, if they tend to buy, again, they'll tend to buy quite quickly. Whereas other stores where um, there's a consumable element to it, like you have to consume the product, let's say it's a soap, um, like they're not going to come back and buy a soap the next week because they've got a soap. They've, they've, they've figured it out. They've, they've, they've got it. Like, or, or so you're selling replacement water filters. They're not going to come back and buy a water filter the next month because it's just not that. See, the, the, the profile of that curve of how steep it is at the beginning to basically hey, people are going to buy again is really important to understand because there's no point hammering, you know, someone who's just bought a water filter the next month with an offer because you're just going to annoy them because they bought the water filter, and you you might be just discounting what they've they've already bought. Same with the lady who sells um, inflatable kayaks in Australia. Like she's not gonna, you know, she's if she just tries to, to to sell them exactly the same kayak. Although sometimes they do buy one for the partner, so it's slightly difficult. But in her case, she's better off just talking to them individually because of the volume. But you just you, you if you're forcing you, a yeah. a lifetime customer value sale onto a profile that doesn't match, it's too difficult. It's not going to work. I think, I think, I think though, I think, gen, I think, I definitely agree with what you're saying. However, in terms of like, like dumbing it down to the to consistent pattern that we've seen, is that generally, 
and I think there are exceptions, like you say, with consumables. But generally, if people are going to buy a game, they tend to do so quite quickly. Generally, and like, and and you know, and, the, and there's a couple of industries that really stand out. One of them is home furnishings, and yeah. it makes sense. And unless you look at the data, you know, you, you you it's like the sort of thing that if you you look at the data, you look at when people buy a game with home furnishings, and and you look at it and you go, it's it tells you that it, people buy again quite soon. And then you look and you go, well, that's really bloody obvious. Because if somebody's bought a, you know, a little armchair, a little chair or something, you know, mm. they, you know they, they're doing up the house. Yeah. So, you know, or that room. So then you go, well, that's bloody obvious. Um, and it makes sense, doesn't it? But unless you looked at the data, you wouldn't necessarily see it. But generally speaking, look at, just think about what makes sense. And look at what your current customers are doing and go with the flow and make that easier to do yeah. so, doesn't it? And um, But I think, you know, likewise, don't leave it too long, you know, so because if you leave it too long, people forget. And they really just don't give a damn about you again. And, and you, know, you have to start all over again. So the two things I'd say is look at generally what's happening um, and go with the flow of the river. Like we had one um home quite a big home furnishing client that we were working with on the level two program and um they decided it would be wise not to email anybody again for six weeks and we're like why did you do that oh that's just what we did that's what, what our clavio account did we just we just sort of left it and it's something to do with whether they were worried about stock or Someone had placed an order and they didn't want them to email them again with an offer of about something because they thought it might you know, you know, mm. either cause an issue with customer services, but it's like, my God, that's like prime time. You know, the, the, they're excited. They're doing it at the house. They're doing it this room. Chances of them buying something else are huge in that six weeks. Yeah. Because so you've done the work. They're convinced that you're the one. You're convinced you're yeah. the one with the look. And it's kind of like, and you're going, well, you're, you're doing that room up and you're convinced we're amazing. And we're not going to send you any emails during that buying period because why? It doesn't, it doesn't make sense, does it? Yeah doesn't make sense yeah. at all so that's that's yeah that's massive thing, massive simple one one thing i wrote down whilst whilst you're talking is, is a concept that i want to use called maximize maximum customer revenue so this is a concept where you you're in the process of doing e-commerce you're going to get customers that really buy into what you're doing they really love you they like the whole experience of the business and in terms of like, what's the maximum they can spend with you? And like, let's say you're selling, um, let's say you're selling a soap, and you're you're selling um, a soap, and it's uh, a beautiful soap, and everybody likes it, and they're really raving about you. Now, the max- maximum customer revenue you can get from that customer is like a soap, maybe once every, I don't know how long a soap lasts, like every four months or something like that. Like that's the maximum it can it it can get from the customer. Um, so the difficulty with that is that. If someone's raving about you, they would spend more with you, but they can't because they, 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 they're limited to, to what you've got to sell to them. So you want to think about for those people who would want to spend more, what else they buy from you. So maybe they'd buy a shampoo from you. Maybe they'd buy um, other cosmetic products and things like that. So that you, you want to be thinking about, yes, we want to maximize the customer revenue on our core products. But at the same time, for those people who are really into us, we want to be able to expand the maximum amount of money that they can spend with us. Otherwise, we're kind of like doing all the work and um, we haven't got anything thing there. And another example kind of comes to mind is there was someone selling sportswear and they're doing all this work to sell like a polo shirt. 
And then they go, oh, I love this brand. I really want to be part of this brand. I want to buy other stuff. I want to buy socks, hats, scarves, you know, all the other stuff that wants to be there. And you've got to have it there in order to maximize the maximum customer revenue. Because for those people, like, like the 20% of people who are your raving fans, those will drive something like 80% of the of the profit of the business. And you've got to give them something to buy. Otherwise, you're always mm. struggling because you've, you've done the work, you've convinced them to buy, and they, there's nothing for them to buy. There's nothing for them to actually, you know, demonstrate that with. Well, so I think essentially what happens is you, you know, you get to a point in your econ businesses where you, you, you can't, you've hit your lowest ROAS, and you can't go any lower than that because mm. it's not profitable to do so. So what do you do? Well, you know, you've then got to, you've either got to look at margin or lifetime customer value. And if you can get your lifetime customer value, you can double your lifetime customer value. Then all of a sudden you you can quite happy to push your ROAS down lower from whatever it is, from five to four. And all, and then you can, mm. you can grow again. It's as simple as that. Two things I'll say whilst you were chatting that we we should mention that the average lifetime customer value not amount of purchases per year so lifetime customer value basically people talk about it in different ways but one of the metrics we say is well well how, how many times do they buy in a year and the average is 1.2 across an e-commerce business that's quite useful to note for people mm. um that's only 1.2 times on average in a 12-month period it's not a lot but you know you, you know mm. don't think that people are obsessing over your brand and coming to your website all the time they're only coming on it maybe you know one point one point two or one point five times and they're not buying. They're yeah. only buying one point two times a year. So don't get precious about thinking you've got to mix it all up all the time. It's like often people really are not that attentive. And the second thing I'll say generally is that, you know, don't be in the position that in order to grow you have to continue to feed Google and Facebook's pocket. You know, give some of that incentive to the customer for the yeah. second time. So, you know, if you think about it, if you're, you know, if you if you got a $100 average order value and you've got a ROAS of 2 of 2, which would be pretty bloody low, you're giving Google $50 or Facebook $50 every time you recruit a new customer. So, if you then if your only mechanism to grow is by recruiting new customers, every single time you're going to have to give Google and Facebook 50 pounds, $50. Whereas That's what if we... you can yeah, so just yeah. I, just just remember what you said. It was um, we used to say that about lapsed customers. So so basically, if you've got if you've got to you can prove that if a customer hasn't bought for a certain period of time, then pretty much ninety percent probability that they're a lapsed customer, and therefore, if it, effectively they're a dead customer to you, and if you were going to go and buy that customer back again on Google, that would cost you, let's say your cost per sale is like 50 bucks or something like that. Mm. Like you could take $25 and give that to the lapsed customer and recruit that customer back at yeah. half what you'd pay on Google. So basically what we're saying is give some of that money to your lapsed customers rather than to Google so that yeah. you can actually bring them up. Because once a lapsed customer is re-engaged, they'd be just become a normal customer, normal and, customer again. And I think, I'd extend that to your whole customer list. Think about that as a philosophy. Who would you rather give? Who would you rather reward? Google or your current customers? Why don't you give some of the recruitment budget that you would have given to Google to your current customers? Mm. You know, much better. Because guess what? They'll bloody love it and they'll buy again. 
Yeah, because you can increase it. You, it's, it's always easier to kind of give less money to your existing customers to get them to buy again than to give more money to the front end to, mm. to, to recruit customers. One of the one of the first things that that we do when we go into an e-commerce brand is we look we look for what's the recruitment offer, what's the retention offer. You know, we always look at what's the retention. There's massive parts, like two two big departments in your business you've got your retention your recruitment department how are you going to get new customers in and you got your retention department which is how are you going to get them to come back yeah and they very much you affect know? each other they very much affect each other like yeah, if you recruit what what customers you recruit on the front end will massively affect what lifetime value that happens at the at the back end and the lifetime value you extract out of the back end will massively affect what you can recruit on the front end so they they're very much brothers in terms of what they can actually yeah. actually do with each other, but I did say that I was going to talk about some custom some businesses where there's pretty much only one purchase business, such as a gift business or a wedding dress business or things like that. And the only way you can get lifetime customer value up in those businesses is by actually focusing on the sale when they actually get the sale. So you'll see you'll see that like uh, gift businesses. I don't do think very- gift. I don't think I don't think gift businesses. I think I think you can't put gift businesses in the same category. As, as a wedding dress, no. But it's yeah. just just we're looking at this. There's loads of repeat. There's loads of repeat. Forget it is. It is inherently harder. But you know, of course, you've got anniversary periods. You've got you've got the Father's Day, Mother's Day, Easter, yeah. Easter, etc. I, I think it's so, because when we look at lifetime Christmas. customer value, we're we're looking at twelve month period. So you you probably would get them mm. buying maybe the year after or things like that. But most yeah. gift gift businesses, if you do the analysis. You'll see that the 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 life the amount of time people buy in, in a year is one or one point one. It's very low, but like a, a wedding dress business is is low. Although yeah. although a lot of the time, you know, I was working. Who am I working with today? Was I was yesterday with someone selling mattresses in Australia, and I said, well, I'm actually going to put in one point two on your customer repeat business. And the reason for that is because for every mattress sold, they will probably rec- if it's a good product, they'll probably recommend it to somewhere else. Like imagine that with a wedding dress. Like yeah. if someone buys a wedding dress and they like the wedding dress, they're all going to say, where do you get your wedding dress from? That's beautiful. And they're going to go to the same shop. So even though that person isn't necessarily buying it's very from good you, point. There is some, mm. there is some almost lifetime well, actually, value from buying, from selling the product. That Yeah. And that Australian bed business said a lot of their business comes from referral word of mouth. Yeah. So really, it would be fair to apportion some of that, um, well, to attribute that to the original Google spend, wouldn't it? Yeah, to the to the to margin, because yeah, yeah. you, you know it's happening, and yeah. you know the more you sell, the more if you've got particularly yeah. if you've got a good story to tell, like which he has, he's got a very good story to tell compared to the other mattresses. You know, they adjust the mattress. If you you know if you get it, you get it, you lie on it, it doesn't work. You, they they come around to your house and adjust it for you. They're not they're not kind of leaving you with an uncomfortable mattress. And it's, that's the kind of thing that's just going to spread. People go, oh, he came yeah. around and he adjusted it. Now it's fantastic. It's all my wife got yeah. pregnant and they just came in and just adjusted it. And now she's, now she's happy again. You know, that's pretty, it's pretty amazing that you, you can't ignore that in your lifetime customer value analysis, even though that customer might only buy once every five years. Mm. It, it does affect things. But Okay, like, so let's go, we, what, let's, go some, let's do some of the quick fire stuff because there's yeah. loads of little bits to this. Let's go into some of the obvious things that you can do. Okay, reward points. Do they work? Well, they do work, not for recruitment. They no. do work for retention. Yeah. But the, but you have to, 
you have to do a couple of things. The the power is certainly in in spending them, not necessarily earning them. Generally, mm. so people don't tend to go, "Oh, I'm going to buy from this brand in the first place that I've, I may may have not heard of," because I'm going to earn yeah. loyalty points. They buy from the brand because they believe that you can you can do the do the job to you can demonstrate the job to be done you've got rid of anxiety demonstrate trust and credibility and there's a reason to buy now that that that's why they're buying initially yeah. um, but so from a recruit from a from a lifetime customer value perspective the power would be making sure that everybody earned them that they were very yeah. clearly communicated that it wasn't like oh you've got fifty eight thousand points um yeah. you know that it should be the monetary amount and i think also don't be too stingy because you know, if if the if the earn rate is too low, it's an insult. It's like, mm. oh, congratulations, you've got thirty seven p to spend on your next audit. Like, don't bother. Yeah. Like, just just do just do a monetary amount. You know, instead, just say, hey, you know, it's a welcome. You know, welcome. You know, we're now VIP. Thanks very much for buying from brand here as a, as a thank you. Because I, I I think I think before you do mess around with loyalty points do the getting the second sale first and getting mm. the second sale is essentially a, a an email campaign over a six-week period saying hey welcome to our brand we're so proud that you've bought from us um here as a thank you we're going to give you a you know 20 dollar gift gift voucher, gift voucher to spend gift mm. card and you've got six weeks to spend it do that mm. first because it's bloody simple. Everybody could go and do it today because they've all got the ability to do a post-purchase email. Yeah. Whereas obviously a loyalty point system has a lot of, you've got, it's, a, it's actually a bit of a faff to set it up. Yeah. So. And to, and to know, administer and people get annoyed about where's my yeah. points gone? I couldn't apply my points and all this kind of stuff. You do, you know, it's like you, you do it once it's, you know, it's going to work. And it's, it's, yeah. And also, I think, also I think loyalty, Loyalty works better if it isn't naturally a repeat yeah. business, yeah. As well, so like like you'll see this a lot with um, with subscription businesses. You know, I'll refer a friend and get you know fifty percent off your next order. Mm. You know, they work because people go, oh, well, I'm gonna do I'm gonna do a next order. So do you know what? I will I will refer it. Yeah. But if there's like if there's no chance of a repeat, like no one's going to buy a a replacement fridge hinge off you because you've got loyalty points. No. And also like, you know people I mean? use loyalty points as, as a way to try and recruit in their ads. I see it all the time. It's like they go fantastic loyalty program. And it's like, there's no way I'm going to choose a clothing company because they've got a good loyalty program. I, I need yeah. to know whether they like their stuff first. And for me to know yeah. whether I like their stuff, I've got to buy something. It's just completely, yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything to me. Um, yeah. So some of the other points, yeah. well, so reward points, they were, I mean, yeah, you do double points weekends, email them out, specific personalized emails, you know, really specifically, you know, they're, they're the, some of the best personal emails you can do. Um, mm. But, you know, make sure, make sure you're ready for it. You know, don't do it too early. Yeah. Because you, you, there's other low hanging fruit to go for first with lifetime customer value. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, everybody should be doing the, getting the second sale because it's straightforward. So email. the other thing is we found that, that higher purchases on the front end tend to buy more later. So if you've got certain categories that you can recruit on, like somebody, like say, let's say someone buying a, um, a nice dress from your women's clothing site, a nice dress, expensive dress, she will be more likely 
to come back and buy a blouse, a pair of trousers, maybe a swimwear, than someone who comes on and buys one of your T-shirts. Um, because well, yeah, people tend to buy underneath their average order, their first time average order value, much more easily. People tend to kind of like see you as the, oh, I get this type of thing from that customer. And if they bought a T-shirt, it's difficult for them in the mind for sometimes, and I'm not saying all the time, for them to go from a T-shirt to saying, oh, they're my dress company. So the cost, how you... I think what cost- you're really... Yeah. I think what you're really saying, you're getting into conversation because it obviously depends on each business, but you're basically saying, have a look at what purchases tend to give a higher lifetime customer value. Yeah. So what's the first purchase? So what characteristics might a customer make on their first purchase that might indicate they're going to they're gonna be more loyal? Yeah. So what you've really said there is average order value. So mm. if they spend more on their first purchase, you're assuming they're going to be a little bit more loyal. Uh, but this, you know, it, 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 you basically have to look at it, don't you? Have to look at the, you have to look yeah. at what it is. That's actually quite a, tr- a tricky stat to get. Um, something like Sweet Analytics can do that, can't it? Yeah. Where you can you can create an audience and you can say, okay, I want to see um, the lifetime customer value for everyone who's bought from this category, all these products. Yeah, and that's on the quite first purchase. On the first purchase. On the first yeah. purchase. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and the obviously what you're trying to spot. Um, you know, is a is a more loyal customer, and then of course, what you do, you feed that back into your advertising. You go, well, you know what? Let's let's take these products to a, a more aggressive ROAS because they're going to give a more loyal customer. Here's a good example. So it's much more. Here's efficient. a good, good example for the bedding site. I use Sweet Analytics to work out whether or not people just buying a pillowcase were worth uh, me investing in in Google because I was getting a lower ROAS. On people just buying a, a, a pillowcase i was getting like a 1.74 which is way lower and it was kind of hidden within the campaigns and when i looked at those customers i, I realized that those pillowcase customers they just bought the pillowcase they didn't come back and buy anything later on so i split those out into their own campaign i thought well i, I could kill them off or i could just split them onto their own cam- campaign and just give them a really high roas target of three and see what happens and interestingly since I split them off, I'm now selling pillowcases at a three ROAS and doing it very easily. And so that was, you know, my initial reaction was like, okay, I'm not making any money at these customers. Let me just get rid of them. But now I can actually say, split them off and say, well, those people, if I do recruit them, I need them at a much higher ROAS because they don't always buy something. They're, you know, sometimes, some of them do, some of them don't, but it's not enough, mm. not like the bedding sets where people come back and buy over and over again. So that's kind of how I. Well, the same thing. Yeah, and the same. The same thing is, you know, like in that scenario, you said, well, here's a product that's not performing as well. Let's put it into a into a higher rower so we don't spend as much. But in some cases, you might say, well, you know what, Get, take it out of the feed. Yeah, I don't do well, any well that's what I, my, initial, my, initial, my initial reaction was to kind of like, let's just get rid of this, let's stop spending on them. But I think before you throw something away, try it at a higher ROAS. You know, even if it's like, oh, we normally recruit at like three and that needs to be a six to make it work. Just put it in its own campaign. See if you can hit yeah, six. It doesn't matter, doesn't then, matter does, it? does it? You basically say, I'm happy to recruit this customer if they buy this product, but as long as it's profitable. Yeah, yeah. You know, so no point. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, so, yeah, okay. Ultimately, that we're saying is, you know, if you're sitting there listening to this and, you, and I say to you, what's your mechanism for getting the second sale? Um, most people tend to turn around to me and say, well, we just send them their emails and stuff. Or they say, oh, well, we just give them a coupon with their, their, their order and it's like to get the second stuff, you know, just to do it. But what people tend not to do is actually have a specific 
flow or a specific mechanism to actually get the second cell. And then the second thing they don't do is they don't monitor it. They don't go, did that make a difference to getting the second cell? They don't monitor the lifetime customer value at all. No. And, it, do they? and they don't go... I mean, yeah, see, I think what... You, yeah, they have a generic email that goes to all... T- every time anybody places an order, mm. regardless of whether or not it's new. Like, it's a new a new customer needs to be welcomed your business yeah definitely like oh my god like you're so pleased that you've got them and, you, and also you they need to feel special and they need to be treated really well like you need to go over and above on that first purchase to make them feel really loved yeah so uh, we were chatting about this before and there's a um, there's a business that we've just started working with it's funny isn't it after we've been doing this for a long bloody time and, he, and he, there's always one or two things that a e-commerce business does that we go that's a good idea. Yeah. Um, and it still happens all the time. And one of them is um, often you'll hear people about, oh, they've, up, we, you know, sometimes say, oh, we, we sometimes upgrade their delivery. Mm. You know, if they, if they order on the standard delivery, we sometimes upgrade it. Uh, but often they don't tell the customer that they've upgraded it. Yeah. Uh, and this particular brand made a big song saying, hey, you know, as a thank you for placing order, we've, we've, we've on us, We've upgraded you to premium next day delivery. Yeah, yeah. So it's going to come tomorrow. You're like, oh, amazing! I feel really special. Whereas if it had just come tomorrow, I'd have gone, oh well, everybody gets that. You know, I've, you know, I probably wouldn't have even noticed and remembered. Yeah. But because they'd emailed me and said, hey, welcome. We just to let you know, we've we, we, we've upgraded you on us. There's two. The next day delivery. There's two really that's big. Okay. Well, that was cool. There's two really big lessons for e-commerce in that. The first one is. Like the the belief that if you do something on the first sale, you have to do it on all the other sales. That's not not the case. So, for example, um, when I first bought some content lenses off off a, a company, uh, inside my first order, they put a free pair of sunglasses, and I was like, oh wow, I'm gonna I've got a free pair of sunglasses, got some content lenses and all that kind of stuff, and and um, I thought, I wonder what I'm gonna get next time. And of course, the next time I didn't get anything. What did you get? I didn't get anything the next time. I don't think I got anything. But because I've had such you a good experience on, on the first, media. no, because I'd had a foot, such a good experience on the first one, I'd already been sold that they were my customer. They were my supplier for my content lenses. Yeah. And so, did it make you give a good review? Because that's obviously yeah, also yeah. a good review. Good yeah, because it, it like if yeah. you if you wow on the first time customer experience, that's going to be with them for a long long time because that's when their anxiety is highest about using you as a customer as a company and so they're going to get buyer's remorse yeah. and if you remove the buyer's remorse you don't have to give them i mean obviously you want to give them love all the, all the time but you don't have to give them as much love for their second and third purchase because they already love you you know it's like they're you know that that's what you've done yeah. so giving them a, a, a surprise gift giving them a surprise uh, upgrade to first uh, to faster delivery you know, basically what I'd ask you is this, what is your wow first time customer experience? What What is it that kind of makes them go, you know, amazing? And I, like, I, I still buy from a supplement brand here called Health Post. And I know the guy who runs it called Able. And the first time he sent something to me, it literally came like that day or something ridiculous. And I was like, every time I, I just buy from them because I think, oh, it's going to come quick. Even though yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily come as quick as the first time. But I, in my mind, it still it's, feel like it's, it's going to be as quick you as possible. Are, I, yeah, and I think as a I think as a customer, you are you are much more aware of the service and the experience on that very first purchase. Yeah, because um, I think I mean you know I remember there was one thing I learned at university which I've just remembered there was a the theory of cognitive dissonance which I think um, means 
that you were you are you are actively looking for things to persuade you that you've that you've you've made a right decision yeah definitely you know that yeah. you're you're thinking okay this was a good decision and you're looking for things to reassure you that you did the right thing and you bought from this particular brand and so when something good happens you're like yay i knew i'd made the right decision i knew it was good and then and i'm a i'm going to talk about it i'm going to make i'm going to give a review but also you sort of buy you're buying loads whereas second and third you know you're not quite as well a you know you've become possibly you know a habit you're buying from that company basically we're saying is people are more sensitive on the first um yeah on the first purchase aren't they you know yeah, and, and see, the other thing is you'll see along the content lens company that, that, that I was talking about is that on the first, if you come through Google Shopping, they'll give you a discount to be in line with the Google Shopping. So like if I see those content lenses are $14.99 on Google and that's the cheapest price, I come to the site and the price of $17.99 is crossed out as $14.99. And it, but if I come back to the website as an existing customer and just come onto the website and buy, the, the price I'll see is $17.99. So they have different pricing to recruit you as a customer than you do to have an existing customer because they know that once they are your mm. customer content lens business, that's a massive one. To be, to be honest, that's motivated by price. That's a huge one. Yeah. What so we've just said, it's quite just said a, there, to be honest, uh, that, I mean, that, pricing is such a huge, that single strategy. Yeah. yeah. Pricing is a huge one. That content lens company being the biggest in the UK. That was it. Yeah. Yeah, it's lens. It's lens store. We didn't work with it. We can tell. We can give away their secrets. We can see it. If you go onto, if you go onto lens store, go onto lens store in incognito mode, look at their prices, and then go onto Google Ads and search for something on lens store. Click yeah. on it, and you'll see how they discount every single product in a different way to give it the cheapest price for that product. But their existing customers, they don't get the same price. Um, well, the existing customers can be get a slightly lower discount. Well, we've done that. That's how they've we've done, done that with our own brands. They've, yeah, they've got we've, the same website we've they've used for years. I mean, we've been looking at it for 10 years you know, now. It's been, it's so been, it's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, we've built something similar to yeah. that. Maybe not quite as extreme as that, but like you, you can play around with polite pricing, and um, it, it, it does make a big difference on lifetime customer value. Yeah. Um, so... The thing about upgrading, you know, upgrading delivery or doing something for the customers is something I learned at university when I lived with seven lads. If I ever cleaned the kitchen and like and people would always say, oh, you don't do anything. It's like if, if I ever did anything, I made sure I did it in front of them because otherwise no one knows you've done it. And it's just a complete waste of time. So, like, if you're going to do something for the customer, well, that, make I, sure I, you I tell them you're said, doing it. Don't do it. And, and, then, and then they complain about it and go, oh, all I've done all this stuff for you. It's like, well, you and you spend the whole afternoon cleaning the whole house kitchen it was spotless and then and then you and then you were well, you're waiting for them to come back and you thought oh, they're going to be so impressed that you'd you know you polished the kitchen yeah. and they came back and they didn't even notice and then the next week they said you mark you're a lazy git aren't you never clean up you're like oh my god yeah. so the moral of the story is never clean the kitchen when no one's watching i know i know and to be honest i wrote that <laughs> 20 years later Ian I wrote that as an example in an article on LinkedIn and Ollie who I used to work with still disagreed with me and he said you never did anything it was a lot of stuff and it's, to this day to this day he moaned 
that I was, you know, didn't do anything. And maybe he was right. Maybe I wasn't the best. Is that when you found a rat? In the, but that time in the I did clean the kitchen and I was looking for, <laughs> looking for some feedback. Um, <laughs> no, no, God, that was, yeah, that, that, that was a pretty bad place. We just had, it was right on the back of the river and there was just get rats coming. They all lived in the basement. <laughs> We like to, when students, you just didn't bother. Yeah. You're like, oh yeah, it's just, it's rats. I'm like now, imagine now I'd be like, no, it's part of the lifestyle. Sort it out straight away. Oh, yeah. It's just, you just live in absolute squalor yeah, as a student. It was you? disgusting. You just kind of I find with it. My own experience was similar. Oh God. Uh, couldn't be a student. Couldn't be a student. Yeah. Um, yeah, so like, we've talked about monitoring how it's doing, how it's trending. Oh, one thing I quite like to look at is the customer cohort analysis. So the customer cohort analysis looks at like how somebody in, for example, January, who bought in January, all the customers bought in January, how they mature over time. So how, how much the customers who bought in January buy in February, you know, and all the months after that. And what you can see is how that's moving over time. So like, for example, one of our businesses I could see that the beginning of the 12 month period, our lifetime, our average order value was like 70, uh, 70 pounds, I think it was. And then over, and then over 12 months, that, that, that increased to like 120. And then I can see that since we changed stuff, even though we're only three months into the customers we bought three months ago, that the average order value was now a hundred pounds. And even by month three, the, the lifetime value was already 140. So you can start to see how you're scaling your lifetime customer value in the customer cohort analysis. And the, the only problem with the customer cohort analysis is you need something like Sweet Analytics to do it for you, or you need to get into Excel mm. and, and, um, and, and learn how to do it. But it, it is a very useful tool to, um, to have to see how, how it's, where it's moving and what's happening. Because, um, oh, there's actually, it's in Shopify. It's in Shopify. You've got a customer cohort analysis in Shopify. So you can see it to some extent in okay. there. And it's a really useful tool uh, to have a look at. Um, yeah, so uh, the other thing, uh, the, only, the only point I, I haven't mentioned is number 14, which is reach out to, to whales, um, not the country, the, um, the, the, big, the big fish mammals. Um, so like in e-commerce, it's very different than, than, a, than a physical store. If you had a physical store, and you had a customer that was coming in every day and buying huge amounts of stuff from your store, you would know them by name, you'd know exactly who they were, and you'd know exactly what they were doing. Whereas I bet you if you took, if you exported your orders by customer and ordered them by the biggest biggest lifetime customer value at the top, you'd start to see some huge whales at the top. You'd go, why is Jack from Northumberland buying 20,000 pounds worth of fish or whatever you whatever you sell you know like you would you would just see these whales and you just go that's that's weird why are they buying so much and then then you would then start mm. to reach out to those whales and maybe you've got like 20 or 30 of these whales and you go well who are these people why are they buying what you know and and then ultimately once you know that like they are you know like there was there was someone in america we were working with and they did this analysis and they they realized that their their whale customers were truck drivers and the truck drivers, I can't remember what it was, but they, because they were truck drivers, they were away from home a lot and they were buying loads and loads and loads of these products. And so then they could kind of go and say, well, let's go and do something for truck drivers. Let's go and create them as a VIP truck driver, 
you know uh, segment and we'll, we'll we'll do these things for them and, and 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 make them feel special and like ultimately if you can understand who your whales are and who fits into your vip customer segment which is the top 20 percent of customers that drive 80 percent of the profit and do something more for those people they will always buy more because they are the people that love you and of course when talking about maximize maximizing maximum customer revenue if you have more things for those people to sell if they are 20% of customers driving 80% of their profit, you only have to increase their spend mm. by a little bit to increase the whole profit of the business exponentially. It's like the lever within the business, isn't it? It's like the lever within the lever. So we can yeah, work, I out, think so. work out really well. Yeah, I mean, some some simple um, things there, like uh, focus on getting the second sale. I think that's it, isn't it? Which is a, a, you know, yeah. a, asking for it, giving people a reason, doing so quite quickly, but then also some complicated things, which is really about yeah. mining your customer data to understand if there are patterns that lead to a more loyal customer and then changing your marketing to go after those. Really? One more. Yeah. Oh, there was one more thing. The one I wanted to say was that one more thing was that the people who've been trying to book calls with us, because I know people who are trying to book calls with us, and you and John and me, we've all been away. So if you if you try to book a call with us, you couldn't find a slot. Oh. Now now you can. So uh, those okay. people have been frustrated about that. Okay. Now it's open. So here we go. Um, Thanks, yeah. Mark. Thanks, everyone. You can do it now. See you next cool. week. Bye. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. Have a good one. Speak to you soon. Bye.